Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsack. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. And I'm Jennifer Landa. And we are here for the 500th episode of our main show, which is an accomplishment. Yay. But also, uh, look, we've produced so many shows, divided up so many shows that, you know, these numbers are going to grow faster than they used to. So uh, it's, a, a, you know, uh, we thank you all for just listening all these years. We're going to have a lot of fun breaking down news from a long time ago and also breaking uh, down uh, follow-up stories to stories we only had uh, a small uh, percentage of uh, the information <laughs> when we talked about it last week, which we're happy to get that. You have listened long enough, you know we record on Monday, release on Tuesday, and usually uh, information or news drops on Tuesday afternoon or right after we release. So it is what it is, but we get a chance to talk about that stuff today. We're going to talk about awards. We're going to talk even about uh, some of the uh, controversies in the Star Wars world the last week or so. But before we do all that, well, I want to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later, as always, whoever Force Center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. Busy holiday weekend. Parties, travels, pumpkin carvings, uh, who knows what. Uh, a lot uh, going on in our lives, and I know a lot going on in the lives of all of our listeners out there. Uh, Jen, uh, we're going to start with you because I imagine um, you probably had some fun <laughs> carving okay. something. Yeah, I'm literally staring at three pumpkins that were not carved this weekend. Oh. Uh, yeah, my my one daughter is really, a, she's a great artist. She doesn't understand that like you can't do elaborate designs. Well, some people can, but we're not there yet to be able yeah. to do these elaborate designs. So she was kind of frustrated. So we just scrapped that maybe another time. Uh, but this weekend, actually, I watched Tales of the Jedi, the first episode, uh, the Ahsoka baby episode, as I'm calling it, with mm. my two girls. <laughs> And I wanted, I did it because I wanted to get their take on it. I mm -hmm. wanted to see how they would react. I prepped them beforehand. I was like, there's going to be a scary looking mm -hmm. creature, saber tooth tiger type creature. Don't worry. It's going to have a happy ending. But they were like, <laughs> they, they were worried. 
They were like, no, not the baby, not the baby. <laughs> oh, but they loved it. They loved it. Good. And that's kind of what I what I wanted to see if it, you know, my, my seven-year-old was like, that's it? I thought there was going to be more. <laughs> so, well, there is more, but we won't, we won't, I won't uh, make you watch that. But yeah, that was, that was neat. That's good. That's great. Yeah. Well, I, I really want them to watch the uh, the Dooku episodes just to hear how you prepare them for that. There's going to be a very scary man. Oh, <laughs> he has good intentions, but he's making bad choices. <laughs> yeah. I, I knew that they would not be able to handle They'd be like, what? What is going on? Who is this man? Uh, <laughs> Spooky so. choices. Right. Exactly. Exactly. They're a little too young for that. But yeah, I asked my three-year-old, what was your favorite part? And she said, when the baby got taken. <laughs> 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 okay. My seven-year-old liked it when, you know, Ahsoka obviously used used her powers to tame yeah. Came the Beast. My daughter loved that. And she loved the animation style, which I also loved as well. Oh, yeah. yeah just gorgeous. Beautiful. Yeah. I, I really love is. that your daughter likes conflict right away. You know what? I The danger. That's what I liked. <laughs> <laughs> that, Baby Ahsoka's uh, pretty uh, yeah. cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She is. Yes. Ah, wonderful. Wonderful. Less pumpkin carving than I would have hoped for, but we'll work on that next year, Jen. We just get exactly. the fancy design from there. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was doing some traveling this week, but you were traveling around town. It looks like uh, Star Wars Adventures for you. Yeah, no, I had I had a I had a busy week. I I feel like my voice should be as gruff as you as yours, Ken. You yeah. you you your voice sounds like you had an action packed weekend. Uh, I did. You know, <laughs> I'm feeling a burn, but it's good. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, no, I had a I had a really uh, busy week. I it was the vote forward uh, deadline where we actually sent the letters that I've been talking about for a long time. So. I wrote about, uh, well, I wrote 300 letters uh, this year and wow. sent them. So that was great. Uh, my wife and I kind of had our, our Halloween weekend fun. We went to a showing of the 1931 Frankenstein uh, with live uh, opera music, which was really great. Wow. Yeah. That looked we to, so cool. It was so cool. That that theater downtown, the, the Ace Theater, uh, the theater at the Ace Hotel is just mm-hmm. beautiful. And they had it dimly lit. And it was really like, yeah, the, the Frankenstein monster is going to come around the corner, right? <laughs> Excellent. Great. It's a good mood. Good mood. Uh, we went to the carved event at Descanso. There was a great Obi-Wan Kenobi pumpkin that I, I want to mm. post about because they do the pop culture pumpkins. Great stuff. Um, so, yeah, it was really, really fun. Uh, Halloween weekend. I love Halloween. It's uh, my pretty much my favorite holiday. So I look forward to celebrating uh, even more when we're done recording. Uh, but the thing I really wanted uh, to be sure to talk about is uh, we've been talking about releasing this short film uh, that I worked on. Uh, it is called Peace Fight, and yes. it is out now on YouTube. Uh, it, it is uh, It features me, but it also features Mr. Ken Knapsack and our mm-hmm. friend, uh, Mark Ellis, and I've been really, really happy uh, with the response to it so far. It's God. so good. It's so good. Yeah, I know you've been talking about it. It it is like a short film. Like I, I was so impressed with like the, the cinematography and your guys' acting. I literally, oh my gosh, when you, <laughs> I don't know whose voice that was that made that noise yeah. when. Oh my gosh! And your reaction, I I told you, I literally spit out my mo- my water when you spit out your martini from laughing. Oh, that's so great! Yeah, there's so a there's good. some amazing vocalizations uh, that are that are Mark Ellis uh, doubled and backwards is the uh, oh, <laughs> the magic great. there. But that's all Mark Ellis. Uh, yeah. So so thank you everyone who who has uh, subscribed lately to YouTube and who has watched the video. Uh, I'm going to take a page out of uh, out of the lessons of Star Wars and 
not be afraid to ask for help. So mm-hmm. the, uh, the video is doing really well. It's really happy with the response. Uh, but I really want to build YouTube, which means getting more viewers and more subscribers. And I have a goal to get that video to uh, 1,000 views mm. by this coming Thursday. So as a direct ask to Four Center fans, if you are able, if you are willing, if you, uh, if you don't have YouTube blocked <laughs> yeah. for any reason, uh, it's about uh, four and a half minutes. Uh, it's called Peace Fight. It'll come up right away if you just uh, search for Joseph Scrimshaw on YouTube. And if Four Center uh, listeners are willing uh, to give it a watch and help us get it up to 1,000 views, I'd really, really appreciate that. Yeah, do that. No, call to action. A lot of fun. Uh, yeah, a lot, lot of fun. I always forget uh, when my face is real, clo- real close up on a camera how much I, I don't like it. So <laughs> <laughs> It's been really fun to like, uh, you know, sometimes right before we record, I'll have been like editing and, and tweaking yeah. on that. And, and it's always that weird thing when you are spending time with the image of a person and then you're actually <laughs> suddenly talking to them. It's like, Ken, haven't I just spent the last hour with you? Like changing the angle and the, you know, filter on your face. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wish you could change the angle and filter every day. No, uh, you, up. you are a uh, charming, compelling human being and it comes across. You look great. Uh, no, it was great. It was, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun to see it. Yeah, no. And uh, yeah, no, I, I think you're right. Uh, Joseph and I, I don't know. I don't know about you, Jen, but I think we're all from the same generation, same cloth where, we're just sometimes really afraid to say, hey, I've done something. Do you mind watching it or here <laughs> listening mm-hmm. to it? Yeah. Right. Just that kind of been trained to be like, you should just automatically be mega successful all by yourself. And that asking for help is a sign of weakness. Like, yeah. So uh, trying to get past that. Yes. Yeah. No. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, good stuff indeed. Well, full weekend for you. A uh, full weekend for me too. Uh, traveled actually with uh, Mark Ellis to Seattle and uh, up to the smaller uh, suburb of Edmonds, which is a great town that we uh, love staying in. He has his family in the area. Uh, and uh, we had one big show at a historic uh, venue in Seattle called the Crocodile downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I want to thank all of the Four Center fans who um, tweeted me about Seattle's crime rates and situation after I shared the reality that my mom and I are fighting over the reality of <laughs> Seattle. Um, like any big city, certain areas are a little less uh, appealing than others. But for the most part, man, downtown Seattle is a lot of fun on a Friday night. Vibrant people out eating restaurants in the area. Mark and I walked around in the cold. It was about 50 degrees cold for us. Had a great time. Met some Force Center of uh, fans and friends who were out there. Uh, coming to the show, uh, Sean, his buddy Cade, Clint, and uh, there was a great guy. I think his name was Caleb. Oh, I probably got that wrong. I usually try to write them down so I can remember. Um, we're in the audience, a uh, small, intimate show, and uh, they we had talked some Star Wars after, and it, that's always always fun. Always fun. In this era, you know, Ellis and I spent a whole weekend going, much like what Joseph said, like, how do we get our word out that we exist. (laughs) Twitter's something else right now. I signed up for Mastodon this weekend and probably unsigned in in an hour. I don't, I have to wait to see how that looks. I can, I got confused. Like, how do we let people know we exist? TikTok? Is that (laughs) So, um, good to have four center friends uh, out there. A lot of fun. And, uh, uh, all through the weekend, uh, Star Wars always comes up. My, my niece, who's now 10, um, my mom sent me some video, uh, speaking of the good family stuff. Uh, her favorite character is Darth Vader, not Aww. Anakin. <laughs> Darth Vader. <laughs> she went for as Halloween uh, as Darth Vader. And I had uh, sent her like a, a, a gift bag of books, of Star Wars books, um, including some of the ones we've talked about here. You know, the, the Path of the Jedi stuff, stickers, all that kind of stuff. That new uh, Ashley Eckstein uh, book with Kelly Knox, uh, like mm-hmm. the everyday mm-hmm. Star Wars stuff. 
Uh, just, uh, it was a lot of fun and it's a lot of fun. It happened organically. I don't, I don't, uh, uh, get the chance to talk to my niece all the time and it just happened organically that she discovered star Wars on, on her own. And, uh, my uh, sister and grandmother like, Oh, well you, you should, uh, hear what your uncle does. <laughs> and, mm. uh, that's like a lot of fun. And then, and, 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 uh, Jen, this is kind of a question for you. Like, what do you do when your kids like, I love star Wars and my favorite character is the greatest villain of all time. I guess you just kind of let that let that go, huh? Really to yeah. Teach yeah, you, you, yeah, yeah. Because for them, it's like it's it's empowering, right? To mm-hmm. to be this this incredible villain, this powerful yeah. character, and there's so much merch, <laughs> so yes. that's yes. that's great. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, there is something, especially with like the helmet, the helmeted characters, mm. like Boba Fett. My kids, my kids have loved Darth Vader, and yeah, so yeah. lean in. Embrace yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. Yeah, yeah, no. She has a, she had the mask on everything, and uh, awesome. You know, and 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 uh, she had a Kylo Ren lightsaber, which I wanted to text my mom. <laughs> that is not what you're supposed to do. That's not canon, which will lead into a discussion that we're going to have here right now about canon and retcon and all those things. Uh, which is funny. Which is funny. Like my gut reaction is that. Well, that's the wrong light. Well, it's not the wrong lightsaber. It's her lightsaber. It's what she wants, and it was a lot of fun. So busy weekend. Thanks to all those who came out again to see the show. Uh, and uh, talk Star Wars after. Uh, Mark and I really appreciate that there. We'll be back. We love the Crocodile. It was a very fun event, a uh, very fun place. Uh, we do want to, though, talk about uh, some of the stuff going on with the uh, in and around Tales of the Jedi. Uh, some important conversations, some important debate and discourse, some frustrating at times. And I think uh, I reacted uh, very strongly to some of the discussions early on, but it's also only one part of the discussion. We want to get the, the full picture in. And also, it's weird. Joseph and I uh, pre-recorded our Tales of the Jedi review. Something, Joseph, I was, we don't really do a lot <laughs> around these parts. No, no, it really was because we were lucky to get the screeners and Tales of the Jedi and Andor were coming out at the same time and it made it really hard to, to you know, cover yeah. them both, which is really the only reason that we did, we got to jump on it and talked about it before really much of any uh, fan reaction. Yeah, yeah, which is both good and we can just give our peer reactions and also I feel sometimes like, oh, if I had known that would have been the, the trending topic, we would have maybe discussed it <laughs> a little differently or looked at it from another way. Uh, so anyways, we'll discuss a little bit now here. Um, uh, quick summary, uh, you know, the, the episodes come out. Uh, I think they're very well received. Uh, we particularly here love all of them, but uh, the Dooku ones I found particularly important, uh, and just these wonderful, uh, pieces of reflective art, uh, philosophical Star Wars about, uh, injustices and how you react to them and all those kind of things that we broke down. But there was uh, this issue of, uh, retconning and that word gets thrown around a lot. Things about when Dooku left the Jedi order, Obi-Wan's hair, when did he grow back the mullet? And a lot of it, uh, I'll start by just saying it rankled me because I felt with Andor and particularly these Dooku episodes, we had some wonderful, important episodes the Andor stuff, directly political related to our times. Dooku stuff, deeper philosophical look, which might, if you understand it and unravel it and pull it apart, might help you, us, and avoid, avoid tougher times in the future <laughs> uh, and how uh, Star Wars can speak to that kind of stuff. And I thought it was buried by some of the questions around, well, when did Dooku leave and why was he there? Why was his retcon? And that term retcon, which is, man, often misused. And so I got a little upset too, lost my way, got a little dark. Little dark Jedi energy there, uh, but then there's the other issue of the uh, chapter six. Of course, is a adaptation retelling of the events from the Ahsoka novel by E.K. Johnston, or based on the notes that Filoni had provided uh, 
uh, to publishing for that novel to be made. And in the process of that uh, is the conversation around the character of uh, Kadeen and her sister uh, not being in the short um, and the idea of representation. You had a queer character of color not in a the animated version. So then it was less about, well, all right, you can, I, we, can, we got retconning, which is a separate conversation. But in that, you had this important conversation emerge. So, uh, Joseph, I'll start with you here on um, overall thoughts, diving in. And, and there's a lot to break down. We don't want to spend a ton of time on it today. It's not a deep dive episode, but we <laughs> felt the Force Center needed to talk about. Yeah, I think the thing for me is that it is a multifaceted issue, and I think you touched on a, a lot of different perspectives to it. There's the just sort of uh, engagement, right? The, the Tales of the Jedi is full of deep ideas of, of what it means to be a Jedi and uh, sociopolitical ideas and, and Dooku yeah. understanding problems but reacting poorly versus Ahsoka's choices. All these great things, right? And and I think especially at Force Center, we want that to be the focus because we love diving yeah. deep and we love getting ideas that can help us in, in real life uh but then we can be like but okay but how can obi-wan have the mullet we mentioned that that's fun yeah. uh so there's this level of um uh, an engagement what what level do you want to engage on then there's the things that like eh, don't matter too much about you know yeah. obi-wan regrew a mullet okay or he didn't and you can you can <laughs> agree or disagree yeah. right uh then there's this larger issue of it has happened uh, multiple times now where events from the publishing side from books and comics have been retold and the spirit remains the same uh who the characters are and the choices they make and why remains the same uh but the details of you know exactly when with who uh what planet what you know what uh, what date uh change so that's an issue and then i think deepest and most important there's the issue of characters who uh are, are diverse and uh, great for representation in the publishing side disappearing um so i think it's just important to kind of even from the get-go acknowledge that you're talking about multiple things so that uh, fans don't misfire by one person being upset about one element of this and mm -hmm. not just not being in the same conversation what part of this are we talking about you know yeah so to me that that's that's where i start i i, I pulled a couple um Inter interview clips uh, in press releases just to kind of try to clarify the parts of the discussion, right? Yeah. Uh, there's the, okay, th things are uh, things from publishing are being adapted. Here is an interview from Filoni uh, from this October 26th that was on Nerdist. Uh, it's about Tales of the Jedi. Uh, here is the clip. Uh, Filoni says, I was doing these uh, three pieces, uh, one when she, Ahsoka, was very young, one that covers the formative years of the Clone Wars and her training, and I needed a piece that was somehow set after as a result of it. Playing with so much of her history as I have over the years, it was just natural to say, okay, well, I'll explain how she got back into this. It's based on the same outline I gave publishing for the novel. It was always the same story. It's like, that's just a, a, a bit of clarity from, from Filoni. He gave an outline to publishing for the novel this is an adaptation of what he feels is the same story. So there's a sort of just like here to me, that's a starting point of here's the, what's happening is as of right now, uh, star Wars is going to take some stories from publishing and adapt them. They are not going to be the same as publishing. Mm -hmm. That's just a truth right now. Mm -hmm. And yeah. now we have a choice as fans, as individuals, how to re react to just that before you even get into the representation part of it. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, that, are you okay with that? Um, does it diminish your interest in the novels and comics? Is there a polite and productive way to tell Lucasfilm that that diminishes your interest? You know, 
I, I think to me, that's like the starting point is accepting, yep, it is happening. <laughs> mm-hmm. And now how do we make it a, a productive conversation? Um, yeah. it, and I'm, I'm just going to read one other thing and then I will uh, hand the, the mm-hmm. uh, release the talking saber. Um, <laughs> so uh, another big part of this is I've seen so many tweets of saying like, but didn't a Lucasfilm tell us that everything was connected? Isn't that why... For years and years and years, we've deeply invested in, in the publishing side, in the books and comics, because this this is all canon. Here's the actual Del Rey press release from April 25th, 2014. Mm. Uh, it says, going forward, Lucasfilm has begun mapping out the narrative future of Star Wars storytelling that will appear on film and television and in other media so that all projects will benefit from real-time collaboration and alignment. The future Star Wars novels from Disney Publishing Worldwide and Delray Books will now be part of the official Star Wars canon as reflected on upcoming TV and movie screens. With the establishment of the Lucasfilm Story Group and our even greater focus on unified storytelling, we expect our entire publishing program to be stronger and more meaningful than ever, said Janine Mosher, Senior Vice President and Group Publisher, Disney Publishing Worldwide. We're extremely excited to kick off this new strategy with Delray Books. I probably didn't need to include that last bit of, (laughs) (laughs) of, you know, Uh, excitement. But I guess, to me, I just wanted to share that because I think that... um, this is a this is a direct statement that yep it's all tied together and i personally do understand fans who feel frustrated by that because there has been a change and it hasn't really been uh acknowledged how we yeah. handle that if it's a productive conversation if it's a, you know a kind and listening conversation that's up to all of us but i do understand that yep it was stated that it was kind of all connected and now we're moving into this time of uh yep it's all it all really happened but the stories are going to be adapted and changed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah uh i loved i loved hearing that quote by the way because a lot of time there's a kathleen kennedy quote around the same time that maybe gets confused with that one or used in lieu of um that's a simpler i think it's like a press like yay all the books accounts yeah. i can't remember yeah that. but I, I think that one's a very valuable quote uh jen i do want to get you in here i understand that you you haven't uh, necessarily finished all the tales of the jedi um no. but you've uh, been around uh, these parts for a while here uh the um the the topic of representation obviously very important to you as well as it is to us here for center overall uh but the candidate of it all the what the general thoughts on what's going on here Mm-hmm. I think for us fans that have been been around the block, we've seen a <laughs> lot of changes. And I'll tell you what, when I saw Yubnub, when I saw Laptinek being mm-hmm. replaced, it it that was really and I'm not I'm being totally serious. That was when I was like, oh, I, I'm not in charge here. I have my um affinity and my love for these things. But mm-hmm. if the creator wants to go. And change things, that is their right as their creator. I can respond, and I have over the years with various videos and silliness, <laughs> expressing my displeasure with that, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to even talk about the representation thing just yet. But so th- that really kind of prepped me. And I remember even way back in the day, it was always George Lucas will have his, his you know, the Clone Wars and he would have his movies. That's always going to be the ultimate canon. And the novels obviously falls under that, right? Mm-hmm. And I think they've done a really great job since the sale to make everything more cohesive. But at the end of the day, there are a lot of fans who are only watching the TV shows and the movies and they're not reading the novels. And mm-hmm. so if the creators who are making those shows 
uh, want to go and do things that are slightly different, it's okay. It's fine with me Mm -hmm. because they're the creators, right? I I, I doesn't to me it doesn't diminish my um, enjoyment of reading the novels, Uh, but it does make me think about how I approach it. Right. I'm not going to be so like married to whatever is in the novels, knowing <laughs> that it could it could change. Um, but I think it becomes a little bit problematic when you do have such great representation in the novels and the comics. And then if that's erased on screen, that that is that is an issue. And mm-hmm. I and I don't and I and I I'm going to give them the, the benefit of the doubt and believe that I don't think that they really thought about that which is an issue in and of itself. Right. Yeah. So, or may, I don't know, but at the same time, if, if Dave Filoni presented this, this uh, outline to uh, E.K. Johnson, then in his mind, he's like, well, this is actually what I initially intended. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah. Oh, hundred percent makes sense. You know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. like in his mind, he's like, well, I'm not erasing it. This, this is, I already had my own ideas. She went off and did her own thing, but mm-hmm. I, I already had my ideas and I'm guessing he already had this all kind of mapped out. So mm-hmm. I just think it's a tale of two creators really <laughs> Very much. Yeah. is what it is. Um, I, 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 I think that's like a really great breakdown because I think it's a, it's a, how do you approach storytelling? How do you approach the idea of, you know, a, a creator is going to make changes. That's a huge part of the history of Star Wars, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that stuff is all, that's all about storytelling and how we approach storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. And then it becomes a different uh, discussion when it's about representation because that then that gets right. into like very real world impacts. So, yeah. you know, if the representation sort of erasure of a, of a gay character and, and a, 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 you know, person of color character mm-hmm. Uh, hadn't happened, I think we might just be talking about uh, how do we feel about the fact that this story exists? Ahsoka went on this journey and made these choices for these reasons. It's the same story emotionally with different with a different adaptation. But since there's this representation thing, to me, I, I feel like that is uh, in some ways the most important conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would assume it's just a, a, an absolute oversight. But I think that's where we get into if if people are reading the the books and the comics and they're investing in characters and they're seeing themselves in the publishing side mm-hmm. and then live action mm-hmm. or or i guess just on screen comes along and says actually that thing that you were deeply invested in yeah. <laughs> for really real really human reasons is up is it's dust that can be blown away Mm-hmm. I think I really understand uh, how how that uh, might hurt people, might affect people. And I think that, in my opinion, uh, it's fine to adapt the stories. It's fine that Cobb Vance is, the details are different, but the story is the same. Mm-hmm. That's fine as long as there isn't this kind of uh, erasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that is the, the most important thing to come out of this there is um, – you know, if you're looking at what what exists and you're going to make any kind of adaptions for live action, number one, I, I am really fine with that. But looking at it and making sure that at best you're just maybe tone deaf and you got to plug in a little bit more or at, at worst, you're just uh, completely uh, oblivious, you know, to, to the changes you're making and how it might affect other people. I think you just said it really well, Joseph, in publishing so far is where Star Wars has found its uh, most uh, diverse representation in, on the publishing mm-hmm. side, comics and books. And so why wouldn't you feel slighted and, and put a uh, second on the list as a fan if you saw yourself in there, whether it be uh, Singer back in the day to uh, getting into this character and, and any going forward? 
uh, yeah, you would uh, have um, uh, more than a right <laughs> to be upset at, <laughs> at whatever the level above that is. Uh, I, I still wash, want some of the conversations to uh, focus on as much as we know in terms of facts. I think there's a article going around that I saw that had a lot of assumptions about why. Why Filoni did it personally, and none of those are facts, uh, and we don't know. We don't know. Um, that maybe rankled me a little bit too. But at the end of the day, we we you'd want. I just I just hope there could be uh, uh, one more lesson. Do we need? Do we? Are we done with the lessons? Can we just get have it be that this is what you do? You know how to um, adapt these things better and make sure that uh, the representation stays because that that's the most powerful thing in it. I think um, in these stories. But to your point too, Jen, that it's, uh, it is, I can see exactly how he probably thought that again, I'm there, there, there I go again. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know the man in the cowboy hat, but, but you know, Hey, it's mine anyways. Like, this is what I did. <laughs> like This is what mm-hmm. I did. And I did not think I was going to have a chance to go back to that. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't want, and then uh, yeah, I don't want to mess, mix the two issues up. Um, if you're upset right. about Kenobi's mullet, I am upset at you right now, but I'm not upset <laughs> at anyone. <laughs> Who's upset with uh, KD and, uh, being re- removed, you know, or not even removed, just not included in this version. Um, yeah, right. The actual way it happened. It's She's not in this version. And so then what happens to this character that's out there? And and and, and, and us saying, well, you always have the book. Might work for old Legends fans who like Palpatine's Triclops son, but it doesn't necessarily work for someone who found themselves in that character. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I kind of feel like I, I, I'm sorry, Jennifer. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say. I mean, Dave Filoni is is such a, a kind man. He's so uh, a real creative, like a genius. And mm-hmm. I, I just, I mean, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. Obviously, you know, and maybe this will be uh, uh, something to think of going forward. <laughs> you know, uh, maybe somebody will say, "Hey, people are a little bit upset about mm-hmm. this," you know, erasure of representation. So, you know, uh, but I do not think that in any way she performed like there was any malice or hey, I'm gonna get rid of this, you know, this important character. I just think he was, he just probably just didn't didn't even think about that. Yeah, it, it wouldn't track for Dave. It would not track for Dave personally if you mm-hmm. if you if, if you see little things about him and his life. But uh, at the same time, without with the absence of a, a, a clear reason or fact, uh, I understand that you're going to look at it and kind of go, "Well, le- I can only think one thing, Dave." Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right, right? I can only think of what, what's on the screen. Um, and he's not on Twitter. He's not plugged in. Not an excuse. Just a fact. And maybe he needs to be. Maybe somebody needs to tell him. And I don't know the guy. You know, uh, it's funny. This, re- hearing that article, and I don't just want to spin out to an hour conversation. I have a sense this is good. I got to stop it. But reading that article, Joseph, take, takes me back to that time where the story group, <clears throat> the job of the story group. There's my comedy show voice from the weekend. <laughs> a little bit of Seattle coming out. The story group's job, man, we never, we didn't know then that it was less than what that press release made it sound, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or not mm-hmm. less than different. We had the thought of, great, all these folks are in a room plotting out Star Wars for the next 10, 15 years. That was never the case. That, 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 that clip kind of makes, I can understand how in 2014 that got pulled out. And I've said before, but even the term emotional canon came from specifically um, the character of Zara, uh, Zara Leonis showing up in Rebels and me just being 100% sure that had to be related to Finn. Of course, because I got told it's all connected. And then when it didn't happen, it was like, oh, that wasn't the point. 
It wasn't the point. And emotional canon, the spirit, the choices, everything, that's what Star Wars is about. And that was part of my journey in reacting to the way Star Wars was discussed in 2015, 2016 range on on YouTube shows and everything. So it's a bigger conversation, which is why I got, I just got upset that worrying about when Dooku left the Jedi Order um, hid the fact that this discussion about what was going on with Dooku and the choices he made and, 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 and the important lessons in that. Um, and that's where I, I, I got upset at the beginning, which is why I felt we want to discuss it. But there's, you know, I don't know. I don't, I can't soothe anyone just, just who feels like, ah, damn it. I wanted Kenobi's mullet is my favorite thing. I can't, I got nothing, <laughs> I got nothing for you. Well, if you're a Kenobi mullet fan, I, I personally, my headcanon, I, I mentioned this on the review and I, it's nice to see other people thinking the same thing. It's like, he tried to grow it out one more time during the Clone Wars. And then he decided, no, it's really time. It's time for it to end. So if you're a mullet fan, this is this is rich and rewarding. Uh, yeah, someone who grew a mullet, mullet twice. <laughs> yeah, someone who, I, someone who grew a mullet twice in '88 and '89. I can tell you, it's possible they come back, and then you hopefully get rid of them. But. Yeah, I think uh, I think uh, my attempt at final thoughts. I'm not going to promise, but my attempt yeah, yeah, to make yeah. these my final thoughts is, you know, I, I do kind of understand that. Okay, this has shifted in this in this way uh, mm-hmm. from that canon announcement in 2014. And I don't know that Lucasfilm wants to come out and say, yes, uh, publishing is now B minus canon and all that. I don't okay. think anybody wants that, right? Because it's only going to make it more, uh, us obsessed more on the details rather than the spirit and the heart and the storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So for myself, I'm just trying to accept that. Yep, uh, books and comics are going to be adapted uh, sometimes uh, when they get to screen. So now that I just accept that, now I can decide how I want to react to that and I can really be on the lookout for when is that uh, hurtful beyond just adaptation, like in the mm. in the instance um, of representation. And yeah. this is my actual final thought of, um, yeah, I, I think that um, I understand what it's like to, f- from a certain point of view, to be in a, in a position like Filoni's. I think it's fine to look at the choices made and say, I disagree with this choices choice, but I'm always very careful about making too many guesses about what's in somebody's heart or head, because, mm-hmm. you know, I've had this, the position of when I was doing a lot of theater in Minneapolis, uh, my shows would get reviewed a lot. And, and sometimes it would be like, okay, you didn't like that. Fair enough. And you'd see in a paper, like this, this joke that Scrimshaw did about bears, it didn't work. And I'm like, fair enough. And then the next sentence mm-hmm. is because clearly he hates bears and doesn't understand nature. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> you know, and right. fair enough, even on the doesn't understand nature, but the getting into your heart, he hates bears, right? Like, it's yeah. fine that you said the bear bit didn't work, but please don't assume, you know, yeah. it, it, and I think that's, for me, that's where I'm at with Filoni. Like, if it's a problem for you, uh, point it out and, and, and then go from there. Yeah, I actually think the bear example is both funny and and kind of sums up some of my thoughts on, on discussion around it. But at the end of the day, my final thought as best I can. Yeah, um, I think there is a, a, an absolute um, earned uh, um, right to pain, if that makes any sense, about this change or this mm-hmm. lack of inclusion. I, again, I'll, I'll use it a lack of inclusion. That character just isn't in this short. It's not the character isn't gone. Character's not removed from canon. It's just not in this short. And, and, and that it, those heard by that, um, really 100% understand. And I think you're right to feel that way. Uh, and we can only hope that things as with Star Wars teaches us, uh, you can't destroy the past. Uh, you can learn from it, adapt, and hopefully be better going forward. And that's what we, um, push for here. Uh, Jen, any final thoughts? And we'll get into our actual planned news for the day. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I can't wait to finish, uh, this series. Yeah. 
I think you'll enjoy it. It's scary. Your kids will be scared. No. Um, <laughs> that, that Inquisitor, it's still my favorite Inquisitor design. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, and, that's an, and by the way, this is an ongoing discussion. It might come up again, unfortunately, or we might have to address it again. And we will absolutely love to do that here because we think there's a big Star Wars table and we want everyone to sit down with us at it. Uh, looking at Star Wars news, Star Wars wins at the Saturn Awards. Uh, I was busy. I want to thank Justice Scrimshaw publicly for pointing <laughs> it out to me because I originally missed this news story. Just had no real clue what was going on. Wow. Uh, kind of nice to be that unplugged, but also felt like <laughs> a good story. Uh, the Saturn Awards of 2002 were held and Star Wars had some wins. It wasn't just a picture of Hayden Christensen and Vivian Lara Blair, which I thought, well, that was great. Did they meet at a con? I didn't know what it was. Um, here's some of the wins. Obi-Wan Kenobi, best limited event streaming series. Bad Batch, best animated television series. Ming-Na Wen for Fennec Shan, best actress. Moses Ingram for Reva, best supporting actress. Hayden Christensen, best guest starring performance. That's a lot of fun wins for Star Wars. Jenna, I want to start with you here. Uh, you keep up on the Saturn Awards? I do not, as I told you guys before. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, this is like the Nick Jr. Awards. I know, I know of them. I've been around. <laughs> yeah, like right, exactly. I've heard their, I've heard the awards over the years, but I, yeah. I really thought they were the Canadian Emmys. I had no idea, <laughs> uh, and I was like, oh, okay, wow, wow, Star Wars won a lot for the Emmys, but no. So, uh, but it, it, it's exciting actually that mm-hmm. Star Wars kind of swept the Saturn Awards, um, and there was some stiff competition. Uh, amongst these uh, these categories, although Oscar yeah. Isaac beat out Ewan McGregor uh, for his performance in Moon Knight, <laughs> that's, that's I'll a, take that. I'll take you'll that. take that. Yeah, yeah, he, he was he was great. Uh, and Ming Na Wen actually beat out Elizabeth Olsen for a Wandavision, yeah, and Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger what? Things. Yes, that's amazing. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Mm. So, um, but she's had an incredible career. So give her all the awards anyways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right, right. But yeah, this this is really great. We need to celebrate. Celebrate Star yeah. Wars winning. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm not some someone who uh, – I, I used to – believe it, I always say in the 90s, I, I was the guy who had that Oscar Excel spreadsheet. Like mm. I track all down to the uh, – they used to be me. Uh, and if that's still you, uh, I get it. It's kind of fun. And, and it's weird to see art rewarded and the competition for it all. But it's also fun to see these things recognized. And I, I like this list, especially for Hayden. For me, that one really uh, struck a nice uh, warm chord in my heart uh, just to have mm-hmm. him back, to have him recognized for it there. Uh, but a lot of big wins, Joseph. You saw the story. How did you react to it? I was just really excited to see uh, just positive news about Star Wars. <laughs> um <laughs> And in particular, um, I, I love how much everybody's loving Andor, and I think it it is different. It is taking ideas that have been in Star Wars forever, but just drilling down on them and really making people see them and feel them. And I think mm-hmm. that's wonderful and to be celebrated, but because of, I think, some of our um, making everything into a competition discourse that that we can have, it means that I've just seen a lot of negativity about, uh, you know, Obi-Wan mm-hmm. and, and Boba Fett. Um so honestly, just seeing these shows in these performances that I personally think are wonderful and, and worthy of awards actually be <laughs> awarded was it's just breath of uh, of positivity for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Bad Batch is uh, I understand the Bad Batch is is a little bit more. Um, you can jump in if you've never seen Star Wars, but I think it's a little bit more really, you know, uh, for, for in the bubble. Uh, so yeah. that was also nice to see Bad Batch uh, be be mm-hmm. celebrated there. 
Um, Hayden Christensen, you know, uh, if these were Canadian awards, he would definitely (laughs) (laughs) take them home. Yeah. Take them home as Canadian. But, um, uh, but also just, yeah, Ming Nguyen, Moses Ingram talking about representation, their performances are great and it's great to see them just be celebrated. Moses Ingram had to go through a lot and that performance is phenomenal in my opinion. So I'm thrilled to see that, uh, celebrated. And then I, I think the final thing is, you know, the, I'm never clear on, on what the Saturn Awards uh, are either. So I remembered to look it up that it started in 1973. Uh, mm. They were started uh, to celebrate the genre of science fiction uh, that at that time lacked recognition within the established Hollywood film industries award system, uh, says Wikipedia or Wikipedia. They're, they're different. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think for me, it's, it's just that um, a big part of what Star Wars is, is genre. It is sci-fi. It is fantasy. It's pulling from all these pulpy adventure serial roots. And that to me is not a thing to be ashamed of. It's a thing to be celebrated. So I kind of like seeing Star Wars be celebrated by a genre award. Mm -hmm. Uh, I agree with that. Yeah, no, and and it is just kind of fun. And especially for some of these performers uh, who had a long road to get back to it or mm-hmm. uh, long careers. And even though they might've been recognized before, this is, uh, you know, Ming-Na Wen, like you said, Jen, have her um, recognized for this work. Uh, it's, it's great. And from Mo- Moses Ingram, who, uh, you know, experienced some hell uh, uh, earlier this year, just mm-hmm. to have this kind of um, celebration of, of what she did and, and her part of the, the, the project in the community. I absolutely love that. Uh, and and, and that's a great point too, Joseph, about Bad Batch. It is uh, it is a little bit of the Star Wars bubble, right? It, it totally yeah. is, uh, and that's fine. And that's fine. We don't need to be the best, uh, most recognized show of all time. It needs to do what it just needs to do inside Star Wars. But to get uh, recognized here, that means a lot as well. So fun story, fun story. All right, we're going to follow up uh, on this one before we take a quick break here. Uh, last week we had the big news about a Damon Lindelof led. Uh, uh, Charmaine Obed Shinoy directed Star Wars film. What fun, what fun. And we knew absolutely nothing. The press relief just said that. That was what the press release said. Uh, but then, uh, and we we speculated, and then the, I, I think the moment after we recorded, <laughs> stories started popping up. Uh, so we'll do a kind of a quick summary of here and get our thoughts. Justin Britt Gibson, a story editor on The Strain, and then uh, one of the writers on The Counterpart, has emerged from a secret writer's room to become the movie's co-writer reports say and a few people reporting this um boris kidd i think jeff snyder's involved in some of the tracking of this story as well reports say lindelof led a writer's room sometime after star wars celebration which i love i just love they looked at hey you guys want to stay an extra week in anaheim you want to just stay here um and this included patrick somerville from the leftover station 11 Raina mcclendon consulting producer of obi-wan kenobi writer of the upcoming willow one of the writers andy greenwald uh, worked on briar patch along with Britt gibson dave filoni as an enemy game, may, may also have been involved in the room of some capacity. But remember, he's directing Ahsoka during this time. So who knows to what capacity if he was there. Uh, let's talk about, though, uh, Justin Britt Gibson and his uh, The Secret Writer's Room and him emerging as a co-writer. Jen, any thoughts on that? I'm very excited. I, you know, Hollywood is about relationships. It really is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's interesting because writer-producer Carlton, and forgive me for Coos, I think his last name, he worked with Damon Lindelof on Lost. Carlton also worked on The Strain with Justin Britt Gibson. Mm-hmm. So maybe Carlton told Damon, hey, I worked with this young writer. He's great. 
you know, you he'd be perfect for this new show, and maybe that's how they got connected. I don't know. Uh, it's a possibility. Um, but I just I like the idea of a writer's room as well. I, I think uh, it's so smart. I think it brings in a diversity of voices. Um, and so, you know, looking at the movies, if you, if you don't mm-hmm. like J.J. Abrams, you don't like Ryan Johnson, then you're probably not going to like some of their movies that they made in the sequel trilogy, yeah. right? Like, it's yeah, just yeah. having a, a, all sorts of voices, I think, is really, really smart with mm-hmm. Dave Filoni maybe popping his head in. <laughs> as kind of, <laughs> That's kind of how I took that. Like, maybe he just, like, you know, came in for a little bit and then left. Um, yeah, yeah. But very, very exciting. Yeah, no, I, I saw this. He probably comes in, gives a speech similar to the Disney Gallery Phantom Menace speech or something, <laughs> mm-hmm. and they go, okay, yeah, because George can't do it, right? And, and Dave, and again, we don't know, because this is all secret. Uh, a lot of fun, though. I agree with your thoughts there, uh, what you're saying there. Um, so it, it, it also, it's funny, Joseph, you mentioned that comment up top, uh, the 2014. This story took me back to that time where we kind of <laughs> didn't know anything, and stories would emerge of secret writer rooms or they're planning this. And this had that vibe of, yeah, they're getting their plan in the next 10 years. That's not necessarily true. Not necessarily what the story is saying, but I kind of, in a weird way, got re-excited uh, for Star Wars and the Star Wars project coming forward in a way. I haven't been the last couple of years because I've just been kind of personally, I just been kind of waiting for the movie side to figure itself out. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish it had maybe already figured itself out. Um, things and steps along the way. We know well-documented, uh, COVID probably had a lot to do with by that, by the way, of delaying productions or thinking the way uh, even that you can come together and work on these things. So I'm excited overall. I don't know, just some Britt Gibson. And that's the point. Uh, I didn't watch The Strain, didn't watch The Counterpart. But now I wanna, I'm going to learn about him in Star Wars. And for me, that's how I get to learn about a lot of these new voices. And that kind of makes me excited. Joseph, your thoughts on this secret writer's room and was it held at the hotel we stayed at? <laughs> I don't uh, that would be amazing if it was at our our uh, very modest hotel mm-hmm. near uh with a little bit of a walk a little bit of a walk uh yeah no I think this is really intriguing really interesting and great news uh I guess a great reporting not a press release from you know Disney or yeah. Lucasfilm yet so uh Correct. Correct. most likely accurate because it's from you know multiple established mm-hmm. trades but always always worth saying that um yeah i'm not familiar with uh justin Britt gibson's uh work uh myself i haven't watched any of these shows um but i think it is great to have these discussions of we do need representation behind the camera you know in in that in the actual construction of the story so we truly get those different perspectives uh, baked into the story so i think that is great i think it is a him as the co-writer with Lindelof is to me a great Star Wars tale. I think Star Wars behind the Mm -hmm. scenes should be generational just like it is in the story, right? And that's the idea of Lindelof working with a a, a younger career-wise writer. I have no idea how old Justin actually is. Uh, He's younger, you know, is is a uh, in his career and this is uh, I think that's good for the industry. I think that's good for storytelling for for people like Lindelof who who are established to help other people become established so we can hear more in different mm-hmm. and new voices of all kinds. And then the whole idea of the the writer's room is really great and fascinating to me. Um, Lindelof in particular, I think, has this great uh, track record now with writer room writer's room because he kind of famously used one for Watchmen is a limited series event. Mm-hmm. It's a television show, not a movie. Um, but I think it allowed Lindelof to kind of have a, a, a big picture creative vision, but really benefit from lots of different voices because he's telling a complicated 
story. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it, it, and, and, you know, when one, the, the, there's a lot of different perspectives in the story. So you need those perspectives in the room. Um, so I think I'm excited uh, to see, to see that for star Wars and for the whole film side of it, the writer's room really makes sense to me um, mm-hmm. that we've had all these projects that's uh, that are, you know, one or two people developing it uh, in maybe it's one film, maybe it's going to be new films, but this feels so like, this feels organized, right? Mm-hmm. You'd have a writer's room to kind of plot out the possibility of this is bigger than one movie. You know, I'll always like movies that are one film, one person's vision, but I think for where Star Wars is at, a mm-hmm. team of people going, what are the possibilities makes a lot of sense. Yep. I'm <laughs> weird. This is not, this is ominous. This is a bad sign. Uh, but I'll say it anyways. This, there was a story years ago. I think I was still, this is the height of me covering stuff on the Schmoes. They had a Transformers writer room. <laughs> They brought a bunch of great talented people together to figure out the future. The Transformers film. Uh, you had the Bumblebee movie, which I think came out of that, I think, and a lot of people did like. That was um, great. Yeah, so going forward, I don't know. But I, I say that it, it, it kind of harkens back to that era of uh, movie news, too, about five years, six years ago. And I think everything you said is right, Joseph. And again, the, the importance of having a diverse writer's room, um, maybe that means someone's going to go, hey, you know, so if we take that thing from the book, um, that character means something to me, and I don't want that <laughs> character changed. That's why you have that kind of stuff around the diversity behind the scenes, not just on camera or on screen. Uh, speaking of uh, that, the film is said to be, again, said to be. That is quite a statement. Said to be. <laughs> said to be. Who's saying it? We well, don't know. Mon Mothma would ask you. The film is said to be a standalone that could lead to more installments and might, might be, another phrase again, might be said after the rise of Skywalker, but not a continuation of the Skywalker saga per se. Uh, there's this is two thoughts to come out of this here, Jen. Thoughts on uh, the approach of doing one movie that could lead to more, and then thoughts of going post-Rise of Skywalker. I think that they're being very cautious with how they're talking about it. I'm sure that they are hoping it'll be a huge hit, which will lead to more, but I think that they don't want to set up expectations mm-hmm. Uh they don't they want to set themselves up for success and i think that's smart right i yeah. think that that's smart um thoughts on going beyond the rise of skywalker also another smart move because that can take place you know 5 years 100 years mm. it's just it's so wide open and i think that that's where we're headed right with the mm-hmm. acolyte um obviously the the high republic we're going away from like legacy characters and may, obviously they can mention legacy characters there might even be some cameos but they're not going to rely on it and i i think that that smart is going to open it up to newer fans younger fans mm. if everyone can jump on board and you don't have to know Star Wars canon or fit it in in a really tight timeline like we've been kind of dealing with <laughs> right now <laughs> with Andor, which I love, but it is yeah. a tight timeline, right? We know where where we came from. We know where it's headed. Look, there's a lot of books and there's a lot of comics. All mm-hmm. due respect to those fans. There's a lot of real estate taken up by those stories. And so what you're talking, you're talking about legacy characters, Jen. I also think it could be called legacy eras, right? Which yeah. is pretty cool. Uh, the original and, and sequel and, and moving either way before or way after just makes sense. Uh, I, I, I kind of hope it's post. I'm just intrigued, even with Rogue Squadron, wherever that might have been or where that could end up being. I don't know. I, I'm intrigued by that. Uh, and I'm intrigued with someone like Lindelof and his uh, his uh, creators, uh, you know, uh, working working in that timeline as well. And I agree with you. I think it's just simple, smart. Even if they, let's say they have 12 movies planned out, just tell me you got one. And then <laughs> you figure it out. 
uh, at this point. I do have a little bit of a cynical strain on some of this news, even this story, even last week. I think Joseph had some great notes on the importance of the people involved uh, and great thoughts on that. And that helped me because I, I, I just had a, sure, whatever. Let me know. Wake <laughs> me up when it's in the theater. Um, right. And, and I think, you know, why not? There's a bit of a track record. Uh, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm super positive on Lucasfilm, super positive on Kathleen Kennedy uh, as a leader. I still... Uh, believe in a lot of decisions she's made and had to make that are that are tough and tougher than uh, you could imagine. Um, but that said, hey, wake me up was in the theaters. Um, but uh, I'm I'm excited. I, I I'm, I'm gonna let the excitement wash over me, Joseph. Yeah, no, I think there I think there's reason to be excited because I think this is an acknowledgement that we are living in a, a different time and that things are evolving. So. Uh, I mean, particularly with entertainment and with what belongs on a theater screen versus what belongs, uh, you know, on Disney Plus. And also that idea of, you know, it's not blockbusters have gotten so big. It's really extra difficult to take the risk. Uh, you know, there's a part of me who's been saying for years, like they should set something in the Old Republic, not necessarily mm -hmm. adapt existing Old Republic uh, stories, but just do a trilogy in the Old Republic and announce it. And like, and there's a part of me that's like, well, sometimes things change, so maybe let that go. So yeah. that I, this idea of we are going to for sure write a story that has the that is a satisfying story by itself, but has the possibility to continue. And kind of let the market respond, let fans respond. That mm. seems really smart to build in the possibility to go forward, uh, but just let the first one be its own story and see what happens. Mm. And, and I really love going uh, post The Rise of Skywalker um, yeah. because of the open field, but also because there's lots of interesting ideas to explore. Uh, a lot of the creators that we know are involved are really interested in uh, deeper ideas uh, of sociopolitical things, of uh, mm -hmm. of justice, of looking at the past and uh, reckoning with it, right? So mm -hmm. this order, th this era now where the government is entirely gone, you know, mm -hmm. immediately after uh, Return of the Jedi, that was the alliance to restore the old Republic, right? We don't yeah. necessarily have that. So what is the new government? What are the new Jedi? Uh, what is the fallout for surviving members of the Force First Order? Uh, there are a lot of people out there rediscovering their roots. Who's out there trying to take advantage of this chaos? It's kind of a rich time to tell stories, uh, even, even though I would love to sure, like, yeah, let's just pick up with Finn. Let's go. He's the main character. But there's also all sorts of room to tell rich and interesting stories in this era that are, are not based on the main characters of the sequel trilogy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, well said. Well said. We're gonna take a quick break, but Jen, any final thoughts on this part of the story? No, I'm I'm excited, and I almost feel like what's gonna trickle out tomorrow when we put out the episode. It just feels like we're getting a little morsels, right? I think even mm -hmm. Jeff Jeff Snyder said that he's not sure what he's allowed to say. So there's more. There's yeah. more that that people are holding back on. So just mm -hmm. uh, let's we'll we'll get ready for those little crumbs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Knowing Jeff, I think he's. Always unsure of what words he should say out there in the world. Uh, love Jeff. Always does good work. I used to be in the office way. would be making those calls like an old press man from the 1940s. Wow. Uh, so there you go. Uh, we're gonna we're not done with this story. Some more stuff emerged. We're gonna break it up before we take a quick break. Uh, we're gonna give you uh, we're gonna give you that four center recommends an audiobook that we think you should try out on us. Joseph, what is it today? Shockingly, it is still Padawan by Kirsten White. I almost started reading it, uh, and then I got distracted and started reading the uh, the uh, book version of the audio story, Dooku Jedi Lost. So as soon as I finish that, we'll start reading Padawan by Kirsten White. 
Hey, the book that uh, establishes that uh, Dooku could walk around the temple even after he left the Jedi Order. He still had a pass. I don't know what the reason <laughs> uh, Download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash force center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash force center for your free audiobook. All right, quick break. And then this other, other side, we may, we can talk about the possible release of this so called Lindelof film, even though there's a lot of names involved with it. Stick around for more force center. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to Force Center, the big show, the main show, the superstar destroyer of our news fleet, if you will. The Damon Lindelof film could be, could be released in 2025. Uh, so some more information out there. I think, uh, again, uh, Schmodown, uh former competitor, Jeff Snyder, uh, was all up in this story as well. Um, but other people talking about it as well. There are rumors that this movie could be released on that new updated release date. I believe it's December 19th, 2025, though I just remembered. I forgot to confirm that the 19th was the day. Can't do your homework. <laughs> uh, but anyways, to December 2025 and not the 2027 date. Remember, this was updated. Uh, we had a movie in 2022. Nope, 2023. Nope, that's gone. 2025, supposedly the next Star Wars film. By the way, that could change too. Now, if so, this pushes Taika Waititi's film back. That'll be fair. We never officially known that film's release. So thoughts on this movie potentially sliding into the driver's seat on the release schedule because a lot of the stories say this development is moving fast. You still got Feige, you still got all the stuff there. And then um, thoughts on what to do with all these movies <laughs> in development because there's a lot. Now, I'll even th at this point throw in still the Ryan Johnson, hey, we'd love to do it, can't find time to do it uh, films. Um could we be back? Talk, there's a lot of like flashbacks to movie news talk in 2015 and 16. Could we be back to that two a year question? Uh, should there, could there, would there be two Star Wars movies a year? And do we want that all in the future? That's a lot of questions dumped on the table. Joseph, what do you think? Well, I hope this is the uh, 2025 film to celebrate the 10th anniversary of The Force Awakens. <laughs> oh, my. Causes wow. me almost physical pain to think about it wow. that way, but that's just the truth. So you got to face yeah. it. You got to embrace it. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think to me, uh, again, this is a report, so I am ready to be utterly wrong in everything I'm about to say, but yeah. it 
tracks to all of the interviews we've had that, that, you know, big spread in Vanity Fair uh, with Kathleen Kennedy and that interview was conducted like a little ways before uh, it, it was released, but she was really talking about wanting to find kind of a, a, a guiding uh, central figure for the Star Wars films in the theater and saying that the way that John Favreau has done that with uh, Mandalorian, the way Tony Gilroy's really shaping all of this and or stuff. Um, Fans have talked forever about a Feige-esque figure. And this one really feels like every other in-development film we've had has been like somebody going like, hey, yeah, sure, I'll do a Star Wars. Yeah, I got an idea. I'll do one. I'll do one. Cool. And this feels like Lindelof is a creator who is interested in saying, I'll facilitate this. I'll be a creative voice, but this is not a, this is just me. I want to bring all these other people in. I want to bring these voices in, these younger people, and I want to uh, Mm -hmm. oversee this, facilitate this, shape this, which seems like what Kathleen Kennedy was saying she was trying to find. So Mm -hmm. I really hope that it is uh, the 2025 film, and I kind of hope that this one, it's successful, and this starts a, a new era of films. I'm kind of fine if some of these in development movies, because remember in development mean that could mean mm-hmm. I had one uh, meeting once, not even in the office. I had a zoom call or it could be, there's a script. It could mean yeah. anything. So I think, you know, some of them will never happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them might be like a great one-off film on Disney plus. Maybe some of them will suddenly fit into this new era that the writer's room is building and I'm, I don't need to check the box and say, but we heard about that one. We have to see it. We have to yeah. see it. We have to see it. Yeah. I, I think ultimately less less is might be more for Star Wars films in the theater since we have Disney Plus now. I'd love to see Star Wars in the theater become an event again. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think you might have changed my thoughts mid conversation. <laughs> I was I, I I was to the point of uh, yeah, and I'm with. By the way, I'm with you too. There's so many talk with Dillard. Uh, JD Dillard's got one too, right? All along the way, this person, this person, this person, and and yeah, absolutely, th- that can come and go. It's Hollywood, baby. But uh, I, I'm excited if you have this much uh, these, these these many minds, uh, you know, all these minds coming to work on this. Um, I think now more than back then, I, I I like the event aspect of it. I was like, okay, two two a year would be totally fine for me. Maybe one in the winter, one in the spring, or something like that. But yeah, you, you just got me thinking about it, Joseph. Like you got maybe the big December Star Wars time in theaters, big event premieres, all stuff, and then you also got this wonderful platform, Disney Disney Plus, which I think opens possibilities, changes the pressure of the films. Um, uh, to me, uh, you know, I'm not saying put Taika's film on there, um, but you could do that. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to, uh, and, and part of it's just selfish. It, it, let's just say it is 2025, then 2027. I mean, it's two year gap. 2029. By the time we get to say, say Kevin Feige's film in 2031, I don't want to think about that. You feel it too? Of like, I don't want to be 70. Going, welcome to Four Center 9000 uh, because we finally got the T. Johnson trilogy. So that's why I wouldn't mind it speeding up a bit, but. I, I'll be I'm just out of selfish uh, as a Star Wars fan. I do like the one event a year, but not two years, a year. Maybe that's the question. Can we just at least get them back to yearly? Uh, especially so many different minds. But it's, I'll tell you what, it's fun for the first time in a while to speculate on this kind of stuff, Jen. Mm-hmm. Yes. I believe we are going to get, we're going to hit that 2025 date. I believe we're going to get it in December. Uh, it will have been six years since a Star Wars movie has been in theaters. Wow. That's a long time. But I think that they're, you know, they're being very cautious. 
the industry is changing, as we've talked about, with Rapid. theatrical releases. Rapid. So, you know, yeah, exactly, rapidly. So by the time that this film comes out, this Lindelof film, who knows what the industry will be like? Mm-hmm. I think that, and I think it is going to be the Lindelof film because this writer's room, because they have been meeting, it seems like they are full steam ahead. And by having all these people, it's going to, I think it's going to make it easier for them to quickly figure out this story mm-hmm. and get in pre-production. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, in terms of the Taika Waititi thing, honestly, I, I feel like Lucasfilm may be put, pumping the brakes on that. Maybe not that they won't do it, but you mm-hmm. know, with the whole um, what was his uh, his Thor movie, right? Love and Thunder, yeah. Love and Thunder. It didn't. It, there was a lot of fan criticism around the movie. It didn't quite land. I don't think as well as the box office. So his his. I mean, we love him, mm-hmm. obviously, but you know, you, in terms of business mm-hmm. stuff, his his uh, luster yeah. is a little bit. You know. Anyways, we'll see what happens with that. I I think that Lindelof seems like a sure bet right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is one of those way hey, we're not in those meetings conversations. Uh, and I, I'm a fan of uh, a Tyke overall here. Uh, I didn't see Love and Thunder, Joseph. I know you did, and you had a, a positive mm-hmm. reaction to it. But it, it, there's some kind of vibe that I'm getting. Again, that's not a fact. That is worse than the rumors on the internet. I just, I just, you look at the story. You're like, huh? That's all I go. Mm-hmm. Huh? Huh? Seems like a change. Which I'm okay. Pivot, pivot, pivot to something good. Pivot to someone who's uh, roll up their sleeves in a little different manner. I don't know. There's something about. Uh, I, I agree with you, Jen. But this will be the first out of the game. I think there's just like a hunger for the new. I think that is just such a big part of it. I think that's why one of the many reasons there's such a strong response to Andor. And, you know, I think people have lots of different opinions about Love and Thunder. Some people just don't think it's a a well-constructed film. I I love it. Um, Mm -hmm. But it is also a very Taika Waititi film. And Taika Waititi is, he's an artist and he has a very specific flavor. And I think a part of it is just like, man, that new flavor tasted great five years ago. And now people are like, nah, I've had that pizza (laughs) from that new place with the new style crust. Mm -hmm. I honestly think some of it is just a a real hunger for the new. And and that's what's exciting about what Mm -hmm. is this writer's room going to create, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great, what great way to look at it. As far as the rapidly changing industry, here's what my prediction is. By 2025, you're not just going to have your subscription services at home. You're going to have a subscription to a theater. Like, are you are you an AMC? You can only, you can, you're subscribed there. You got to pay a monthly fee. It's like movie pass, but now actual from theaters. Are you a, are you a Carmike subscribe? Are you a Carmike member? And that's it. And you, we all just go to our own theaters that we subscribe to monthly. That's my thing. <laughs> Heartbreak feels good in a place like this. <laughs> so uh, we'll keep you all updated on this uh, rapidly changing story. Uh, but it uh, it is interesting. Some wonderful names involved. And we'll see. By the way, again, things could change. This could this movie, let's say the Lindelof one gets on a fast track. Just, F it. Put it in 2024. Like, why, why wait? Why wait? <laughs> right, right. Uh, so there you go. Uh, we are almost out here. Before we uh, take a bow, we're going to look at this week in Star Wars history, looking ahead to Star Wars past. And we're going all the way to November 5th, 2004. There was actually a lot of choices this week. This is the week that uh, George in t- 1994 uh, put pen to paper for the first time on the Phantom mm. Menace, November, November 1st. Uh, well, this is also the week, uh, I think it was uh, November 3rd or 4th, that we learned 
the title for Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. So a, a full week. But I decided to go this one. I don't know. Um, the, uh, especially seeing Hayden nominated and, and then winning for the Saturn Awards. The first teaser trailer for Episode Three was released on November fifth, two thousand four. Featuring Obi-Wan Kenobi's iconic dialogue from A New Hope, it set the tone for the film and its depiction of Anakin's fall. Featuring shots of Vader, the fiery duel between Kenobi and Anakin, Palpatine with a lightsaber, Wookiees including Chewbacca, and even Tion Madon. The one-minute, 47-second trailer gave away a lot, but definitely got the fandom excited for what many believe would be the final Star Wars film. Talking about things changing. Jen, what did you think about this then? What do you think about it now? What's some of your favorite moments? I remember back in the day thinking, my Star Wars is back. Hmm. Because as I've talked about, I love Attack of the Clones now. It's actually one of my faves. Uh, but at the time when I saw it, I did fall asleep. Uh, it was a midnight <laughs> showing <laughs> my defense. Um, I was tired, had come off of work. Uh, but yes. So, okay. You know, the, this party those, was over. says Mace Windu. Yeah. Yeah. So, but what I loved about the trailer and I mean, I remember getting so excited and I rewatched it last night and it brought all those memories back. It had the action. It had the thrills. It had the drama, uh, seeing Hayden Christensen finally making his turn, right? right into Vader, that shot of him coming up like Frankenstein's monster. I'm, I remember that so vividly. I, I just, when I saw that shot last night, I went, oh my gosh, the Wookiees. There was yeah. just so much to, to love. Um, and it really, it feels like yesterday that I just saw that trailer. Yeah. It's kind of shocking all these years later now to, to celebrate it and revisit it. But ah, yeah. just fantastic. And it also is one of my favorite films, Revenge of the Sith. There you go. It's a favorite for a lot of folks. Uh, Joseph, 2004 mm. time, but also just like yesterday. Uh, what do you think? Uh, what do you think about all this, especially Tian Madan? Oh man, I, I love that. I love the sort of trailers making things look like something they aren't that because it, it's just that quick shot of his uh, teeth hissing, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And you watch the films like he's a government dude uh, really asking Obi-Wan Kenobi for help. But in that shot, it looks like, <laughs> is he going to eat one of Kenobi's eyebrows? What's going on? He looks so vicious. Right. <laughs> I love because mm. we, we're big fans of Tion Madun here uh, at Force Center. But man, mm -hmm. back, back, back in the day, as it were, yeah, this was... Uh, amazing uh i think this hyped up exactly what jennifer is saying that connecting back to to the original right i think that the mm -hmm. the the line that got me the combo is the uh classic uh kenobi line of seduced by the dark side of the force and then anakin turning and having the yellow eye that mm -hmm. got me so hyped to be like oh we're, we're finally going to see the story yeah. we've kind of heard about since 1977 right mm -hmm. um but even back then when like i liked the the prequels and i still kept watching them even though i criticized them and, and you know poked fun at them uh, that i i not secretly i liked them but i kind of uh ate around the parts i didn't like back then yeah, and now yeah. i like so much more of it but even back then this trailer just felt like, okay, not only is the original trilogy that I love being connected with coming back, like Jennifer was saying, but this is really making me feel like it's all one story. Like, you know, cutting to Qui-Gon, seeing yeah. the clones from Attack the Clones, the mm -hmm. Imperial March, Padme's, you know, Leia as care, you know, Palpatine with his saber. Like, it was just, it just all started to feel like all these threads are coming together, and that's so cool. So that's what got me hyped. 
uh, back in the day. And I remember so many friends who didn't like Phantom Menace, then they really didn't like Attack the Clones. And they spent a couple of years going, I'm just out. I'm not even watch the third one. Mm-hmm. And then these trailers came out and they're like, OK, I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, yeah. No, uh, man, both of you, you, you take me back to an exciting time. Yeah, there were, that relationship with the prequels, uh, you know, was there. That might have been complicated at best. And Jen, I think you're right. I had that feel of when I heard Obi-Wan's dialogue, which, again, that Rogue One teaser at Celebration 2015 had the same dialogue. So if it wasn't focusing on the Vader uh, part, so to speak, but focusing on the Empire part, uh, I, I ju- it just felt like, yeah, 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 that, 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 Star Wars. Yeah, 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 Kenobi. Kenobi, New Hope, just kind of felt connecting. And then your point, Joseph, of seeing Qui-Gon, I remember in 2004, already you're talking six years ago with Phantom Menace, and it felt nostalgic. And it was one of the first times of maybe I saw Qui-Gon a little deeper than I had over that six years of being snarky on Friendster in my space about the prequels. Um, So it was very effective. And I felt it. I got excited. Uh, I've talked often before that this is the, you know this is where you you, you see the uh, the lava on what we would know mm-hmm. Mustafar and and knowing that 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 darn Return of the Jedi novelization I mentioned a lot it's still one of my favorites because that that was there and it was like are we finally getting that oh my god I've heard rumors that George talked about this fight on a lava planet and to actually get the the hint and it is funny I I do think there's a lot revealed in this that we would maybe take more issue with now that's just how. It's all changed the discussion around these things. I think the explosion of, of social media made the spoilers a little bit more hard edged and dangerous than they were mm-hmm. back in 2004. But uh, I, I love seeing it. Yeah, and you're right. Tian Madan is perhaps my favorite part of this trailer. I <laughs> thought, who is that guy? Now, I love that guy. I've asked and answered trivia questions around him in Star Wars. I remember putting one specific question about Tian Madan. Just because I knew Joseph was competing, and I knew <laughs> him. I'm not saying it was a cheat or a conclusion or a conclusion, or I told him. I just knew that Joseph loved Tian Madan just as much as me. And a lot of it goes back to this trailer. It's not even Bruce Spence and the excellent uh, portrayal of him in the film. It is this trailer going, "New Sith Lord." Like, what do we? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Right, exactly. What do we got? I love how tall his head is, and I hope his head remains that tall, and all the species remain that tall. His head uh, must remain that tall. It was really fun to watch it. Can you, you asked about like reactions to the past and then our, our moments now, right? Um, yeah. It was fascinating to watch it in a context of, of how would we talk about this now? Mm-hmm. Um, because the, the Vader rise in this trailer, that in the trailer it does not read like that is the sad coda to the film, right? right, it, right. I, I, can, I can totally see how a lot of us it would have been convinced then and would have had a ton of videos and podcasts about exactly what minute in the film is that? Is it the halfway mark? Is that the end of uh, act two? But he's definitely going to rise, right? It's not right. presented like, yep, this is the the sad end. This is the middle. Mm, man, uh, you're so right. Because now I'm looking at my own expectations that I carried into Revenge of the Sith. And that's always back then was always like, that's how Vader fell totally missing the part the, the part of the attachment and, and the importance of it all right uh, yeah. that we could dive into now but i think going back to the trailer i think i fell victim to everyone looking up even the wookies everyone's looking up as he rises and it's like yeah vader's here as opposed to oh damn anakin fell and i think that's what i carried into the movie not the trailer's fault not even my fault it's just what we do hmm. yeah jennifer did you expect vader to be in a lot more of the film back in the day yeah, I think I'm, yeah, 
I did. As with that shot, you know, I like I said, like Frankenstein's monster, oh, like just <laughs> walking off and starting to annihilate people. Uh, so yeah, no, that that was a surprise, but I didn't have too many expectations, uh, and I'm glad that we did not have any re- reaction videos or things like that because I would have been so wrong about everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <sighs> Love it. Halfway Love through it. the film, Vader and Tion Madan, uh, they team up, right? And they, <laughs> exactly. To oh, avenge God. Darth Maul. Uh, <laughs> the, the final note I want to discuss here uh, before we wrap up this episode, um, I, I, I kind of overlooked it. So I was, I was kind of like writing down what was in this. Palpatine with a lightsaber. That was a pretty big reveal to me. Joseph, mm. uh, I, I turned to you for all Palpatine stuff. For yes. Did you get excited? Was that, that something that jumped out to you? Oh, yeah. It felt like this is uh, the natural progression because I played with my Yoda and Palpatine figures wondering, you know, as a kid long before the prequels, uh, hey, they both have canes now, but did they ever have lightsabers? Did they know each other? Did they fight? And when Yoda has a lightsaber and attack the clones, it was like, well, of course Palpatine has one. (laughs) They trade canes for sabers, both of them. (laughs) Love that. Jen, did you have a, a Palpatine lightsaber thought? Yeah, I was like, oh, wow, okay. Yeah, I was, I was surprised, I guess. I, I, It's so funny. I, I can't remember that. I do remember seeing Yoda's little face and being like, mm. I always love Puppet Yoda. It's just yeah. a thing that I have. Uh, yeah, know, yeah. But. yeah, I get you. <laughs> I get you. All right, all that happened on November 5th, 2004. So do yourself a favor, watch that trailer again and relive it or perhaps see it again. For the first time, we are out of here today. I uh, discuss the news, at least the news we know right now. Uh, you can find us on Twitter uh, by going to Force Center Pod, uh, or Instagram and YouTube as well. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. Podcast is on ACAST, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Just search, you'll find us. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. And you can support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center. Uh, you can follow me at Ken Napsock. Go to my website, KenNapsock.com. If you want to highlight this coming weekend, November 4th and 5th, I'll be in my hometown, the Central Coast Entertainment Expo, kind of a first-time event up there for the Central Coast Film Society. I'll be on a panel and uh, be out there selling and signing books if you want to come say hi if you live up in the Central Coast of California region, as some of you do. Uh, Jen, where can they find and follow you? You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for now <laughs> at Jennifer <laughs> Landa. If, if you guys are going somewhere else, let me know uh, because I want to go there too. Uh, or maybe we'll go down like the Titanic. Uh, my YouTube channel where I am posting weekly Andor videos and soon to be Tales of the Jedi thoughts. Uh, I've been having fun with chatting some of you all over there. So join me uh, at Jennifer Landa on YouTube and of course, TikTok, Jennifer Landa 1138. Mm, love that. Joseph, you. Yeah, uh, well, I, I want to say Jennifer's Andor videos have been great. I've been really enjoying hey. them. So, yes, mm-hmm. I think uh, people should check them out. You can follow me at Twitter, Instagram, TikTok as uh, at Joseph Scrimshaw. And on Mastodon, some complicated thing I haven't memorized yet. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, but I'm going to remain on Twitter for now. We shall see how it goes. Uh, Like I said at the top of the show, if you want to go to YouTube and search for Joseph Scrimshaw and watch any of my videos, but particularly this week, uh, watch, uh, like, comment on Peace Fight. I would really appreciate it. It will really help me with uh, where I want to go next with some of my creative endeavors. That is much appreciated. And when this episode is coming out, it will be one week until voting time in, uh, in America. Uh, the vote forward letters that I've been promoting have all been sent. So now I'm just going to promote, you know, voting. I think it's voting. Great. Yeah. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Got my ballot here today, and uh, that's on my list to get that done. Get that <laughs> in today. Yes. Uh, so appreciate that. Uh, we appreciate all of you listening. Appreciate uh, the Force Center community that you all uh, build uh, around us. That uh, means a lot, and including uh, weeks like this, this past week, where sometimes tougher things or uh, things that inspire and incite uh, maybe passions and hurt feelings and even anger at times. Uh, the Force Center community in our Discord uh, discusses it uh, honestly. Uh, but also with care and concern. And we really appreciate that. Uh, So uh, there you go. We'll look for more uh, news next week to break it all down. We'll see you. This has been Force Center. Bye, friends.